Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Brothers and sisters in Christ, I know I keep bringing it up before every message, before we do it, um, but I really want to drive home. This year is going to be really cool. I've heard from a lot of people how excited they are on this. I'll admit I'm a little nervous. Um, We've never done this. We've, We've never done just a whole year preaching through one book of the Bible. Um, One time we went through the Gospel of John, and it lasted a long time, but we didn't really, we didn't do it the same way. We preached on a lot of the texts, but we didn't go through it in a, in like a front to back, punch through in one year. It was really just sort of a long um, series on the Gospel of John. And this is so much better organized and so much more um, thought out. I think I'm just getting better at this job over time. But this, this thing is awesome. I've, I've told you about it already. Encourage you um, to sign up for one of these. Again, it's the text on one side, spots for notes on the other. The bookmarks are in. See a Revelation bookmark that is a custom logo by one of our members. On the back, I know the, the font is a little bit small. That's the biggest I could get it. Um, so if you need a magnifying glass, that's fine. But that is every Sunday from 9-11 next week to April 30th um, is how far that goes. You can, you can see every Sunday what we'll be preaching on for the entire year. Uh, It may actually extend a little bit past that. Um, There's a couple of texts that we're just not going to be able to get to, so I might tack those on uh, at the end too. And speaking of those texts that we just can't quite get to, it's not that they're not important. Um, It's just that it would push the whole series out forever, and I really wanted to do it from front to back in Revelation, so we have to skip a couple in order for us to hit what I think is really an important thing, and that is the resurrection on this day called Easter, right? So it feels like that's a great time to preach on the resurrection as found in Revelation, and it turns out it works really well. So I went from Easter backwards through all the texts, and actually just, it worked out really nicely. Christmas Day has a surprisingly pretty good Christmas text from Revelation. So on the 25th, which is a Sunday, we'll also have a pretty good text for that Sunday. Um, And as I said, this is not a book that is all about um, the return of Jesus in those last seven years or three years or whatever you're thinking. That's not what this is. That's in here. It's some of it. But what this really is, is a, a powerful message to the church and to Christians. It's a powerful message of comfort um, it's a powerful message of hope for it. You don't read this as doom and gloom and terror and the world is ending. This is the, the opposite of that. It is thanks be to God. He's coming back. Um, it's really about, uh, it's a history of the cross until he returns. So it's at least 2,000 years of history that it covers. Um, and who knows how many more? It's, it's impossible to say. A lot of misconceptions out there on the book of Revelation Especially right now, things are sort of chaotic. We've had some big stuff happen in the world, and, and people are pointing, going, is, is it now? And the answer is, maybe. <laughs> we'll know. We'll know as soon. We'll be the first to know, put it that way. Um, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's another 1,000 years. Uh, but we're going to find out what we should do in the meantime while we're waiting for that. So um, sign up for one of these. If you, if you know somebody you think would love it and, and follow along, 
just sign up for more books. Um, even if they, they live somewhere else, I'd be happy to ship it for them from the church. That's fine. Just give me an address or something. Uh, encourage anybody watching online, whether you live nearby or not, if you want one of these, I will send it. Like I said, I'm adding to it a little bit more. They're not just ready yet. Um, but I got to put the, the sticker in that's got the key on it and a couple other things, and they'll be available next Sunday. Again, they're $5, um, just a donation. We'll, we'll have a place for that. Um, just, it's no big deal if you forgot your five bucks, bring it the next week. It's not a big deal, I promise. All right, with that, now we will transition to uh, our sermon for the day is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And 1 Corinthians, there's, there's this church in Corinth that had, had some struggles, we shall say. Um, Paul has, has written at least three letters, we're, we're pretty confident, maybe more, to try and correct some of this weird stuff that's going on. One of those things has been these divisions in the church. Um, so not that we have anything related to divisions in our church, but rather it's important to note that had their foundation stayed strong, these divisions may not have been such a big deal. And that's applicable to our congregation, but it also is very applicable down to the personal level for each and every one of us. So this is chapter 3, starting at verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. This is the word of our Lord Brothers and sisters in Christ, Labor Day weekend, so I, I like to have something that is sort of labor-focused, is, is always that last sermon of the summer, really, before we launch into our big program year. Um, and as I was thinking about it, we're, we're also really still waiting for this building thing to kick off. The, the city of Clive, um, trying not to break the Eighth Commandment here, been challenging, <laughs> we shall say. But things, I promise, are still moving forward. We, we will be digging holes and building stuff really before too long. Things are all approved. There's just so much red tape that it seems um, these, these people should be in Washington, <laughs> not here. Um, to, that, to that end, though, um, it's going well. It's going really very well. Uh, but we're, we're getting ready to do all of this stuff, so working on that, of course, foundations, Right? That's, that's a big thing. That's an important thing, and we all know this. But it hasn't always been the case that, that people understood that this is how you should always be building things. I mean, there's, there's lots of places we have visited as a congregation in Kenya and other places where 
where there's dirt floors and no real foundation. And, and Paul is, is quick to say, our first text that we're going to look at specifically is about the master builders in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Um, let's skip right to that text, if you would. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. I get it that that kind of sounds arrogant, that he says, I'm a master builder, like a skilled master builder. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, in the same way that a skilled master builder starts with a foundation, that's what I did too. (laughs) All of us should be saying this about all sorts of things, right? As a skilled master, whatever it might be that you do. Maybe you start by punching in <laughs> so you get paid or you answer emails or you whatever it is that you're doing there's there's a a starting point that everybody should start at right and the best of the best so, so for example i could say like a skilled master quarterback i every day get up and and throw a football run through some drills and memorize the playbook um i'm not a, a master quarterback but that's I mean, that's what I should do. That's what I should do every single day if, if I was. I'm just saying, like that guy, that's what I'm doing. Um, we do need to tell that to Iowa football team. I think that's uh, You saw that coming from a long ways, though, Doug. Like, you saw that. <laughs> I could help myself. Um, so, like a skilled master builder, we start with this foundation, this solid foundation. It's, it's not an arrogant thing. It's just that's what you do. If you start building your building without a foundation, you're just not working like a skilled master. You're, you're working like a rookie, like an amateur. You're, you're doing it uh, DIY on your own, and, well, yeah. <laughs> you can build a really beautiful thing on top of nothing and see what happens. So the, the foundation is what Paul is saying. It, everything we put on top of this is, is secondary to making sure we get this right. Everything else that we do is secondary because if this thing, this, this ground that we are working on doesn't have a foundation set on it, what we build might just topple anyways. And this is so important for all of us to remember. This isn't just about the literal building that we're going to build. And it's not just about the mission and the ministry of our church. It's about us personally, too. What are we building our life on? The, the life that is raising families, uh, our work, our, our recreation time, what we're doing with our neighbors, with our friends. It, it could be in retirement. It could be starting a new job. It could be going off to college. It could be graduating. All of that, if the foundation isn't, isn't that strong foundation of Christ, and we're going to see in just a moment in our text um, the problem with that. So we're going to talk about foundations for a second. For no one, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation for what we do at Living Faith is simply this, Christ Jesus. You can add to that Christ Jesus, him crucified. You could, you could say Christ Jesus, true God, true man, 
who died for the forgiveness of sins. You can say, Christ Jesus, true God, true man, died for my sins, has been raised up on the last day, and belief and faith in him means I too will be raised from the dead. But if you don't start with Christ Jesus, if you don't start with Jesus, all of that other stuff doesn't make sense. (laughs) If you just start with like Larry, (laughs) or Bob, or Steve, or Tom, or, or Sally, or Mary, who was true God, true man? No, no, they weren't. Died for my sins? No, they didn't. Was raised on the third day? No, they weren't. <laughs> so everything else falls apart unless we get that person right. Unless we get that Savior right, everything else will fall apart. But we don't always get that Savior right. There's so many ways in which we, we deform the, the true identity of Jesus. Sometimes we think, yes, true God and true man who came to die for the sins of the world, you know, for like most people. All people. Or yes, I know he loves the world, but I can't imagine he would love me. Loves the world. You see, there's so many ways we deform, or, or we think he came to die for the sins of the world, and, and if we act like him, we too. No, you're, you're deforming it again. His death and resurrection is, is this free thing, this, this thing that happened outside of your input, your influence, not determined on you or anything else. Just getting who he is right is, is where we have to start. And it is, it is such a complicated and difficult thing. There were so many heresies in the early church where good intent, well-intended, good-natured Christians who were theologians said, well, I just don't understand how this works about Jesus. And they start teaching something different or teaching something slightly different here. And it's the same for those who are in Corinth. For those in Corinth, they, they started to think differently about things like baptism, and, and the importance of earthly leaders in their church. And they started getting things wrong about how Jesus would probably still want us to stay a little bit separate, right? Like the haves and the have-nots, or the Jews and the Gentiles. He doesn't want us, we should probably still follow those Old Testament laws and rules. They were adding things to Jesus that he didn't say, <laughs> or that he didn't do. That is an affront to all of us when we hear that about us. Somebody says, oh yeah, I I heard that you are. Or I heard that you said, and then a bald-faced lie, something you never would have said. I heard that you or somebody has been saying, you would be offended. And and you would take a stand and defend because you would say, "That's, that's not who I am. That's, that's not who I am. And, and Jesus, no less than that, wants to be known as who he is. This is really important <laughs> to remember that he doesn't care about who you think he should be. He doesn't, he doesn't even cross his mind that who you want him to be is who he should have been because he's God. And who he was is exactly who all of us need him to be. And when we add to it in our own opinions, our own thoughts, our own feelings, 
we always end up just projecting ourselves on him and just making him much more human than God. He ends up sounding and acting and looking in our minds a lot like us. And then that puts us in a position of truly believing we're like God. So I decide what's right and wrong, and I decide who's good and who's bad, and I make these decisions for my, my family or my friends or the church because of my, my similarity to our Lord and Savior Jesus. That should sound scary. Imagine if that was your pastor. <laughs> right? Imagine... Imagine if we were a congregation or a, a people gathered together and, and we thought Jesus was like me, right? Or if we thought Jesus was like Pastor Dan, that'd be worse. <laughs> His kids are here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but that, that, that idea is, is, is false. I, I speak words of truth in life because I find them in Scripture, not because they're a good idea. I have some ideas. One or two of them are good. And we get to find out which. <laughs> and we'll know pretty quick. But at the end of the day, the one thing that matters is Christ Jesus is our foundation. Everything else, well, basically, that's just uh, building materials that will test our work. I already alluded to this in, in the children's message, but this, this testing of the work, of the things that we use, well, it's, it can be a challenge to us. It can feel very uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, that's what refinement is like. We're going to look at the text here is, is chapter 3, 12 to 13. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. That day, by the way, is speaking of the, he's speaking of the church and of the day of judgment when Jesus returns. But like I said, that is absolutely true in the big global sense, but it also comes down to a congregational level and then it comes all the way down to a personal level, sort of like a fractal like that. It's the truth that comes all the way down to us. So what he is saying is these divisions that we have in the churches and the problems that we're having in Corinth and, and another church here or there, these problems, oh, we're going to find out. <laughs> it's going to be revealed. We're all going to know. But if your foundation is Christ Jesus... Well, then the church will survive, it will remain, and you will be there at the resurrection. But that day of judgment, when things are tested, it comes in fire. And if you have built something on Jesus that, that isn't of these precious things, they will burn up and be consumed. So instead, build with these things, gold, silver, precious stones, diamonds, rubies. The, the difference between the two lists, as I said in the children's message, is one is combustible and one isn't. One is, and, and that's how he describes the testing, is it comes through fire. And that which is not, well, that, that which is not able to be, to be survived, when that fire comes, that stuff isn't, the precious stuff that God wants us to build our lives with. Let me explain. It's not as though he wants 
Christians and churches to be gilded in gold and precious stones and, and to make sure we've got lots of fireproof things like asbestos all over the building, right? That's not what, that's not what God wants, trust me. What he wants is his church and his people not, not to be gilded in gold or diamonds and silver, but rather to have those things that survive the testing of this world, that survive sin and evil, that survive the really hard times. And that's the thing about these, these precious things is they take work and energy. You've got to dig in the ground. right? You, you've got to pull them from the earth. You, you have to refine them in fire and purify them. You, you have to dig them out of the ground and, and break open rocks and polish and craft them. This is not simple, quick, and easy like mowing down some grass and getting some hay or, or cutting down a tree and getting some lumber. This takes time, energy, and effort. That's, that's the thing that the Lord is calling us to build on top of the foundation of Jesus. Those things that take time and energy and effort and discipline. The stuff that, generally speaking, the Western world, Americans, maybe at the forefront, we're just not good at it. We'd way rather take the easy route, the quick fix, uh, pop a pill versus changing diet or exercising habits. We'd rather just write a check so I don't have to go and sell the Girl Scout cookies, go door to door. I'd rather just write a check so I don't have to go to this event. Can I just give you some money so I don't have to put in my time, energy, effort, discipline? When we start doing that with our faith, when we start doing that with our church, our families, our work life, we do discover when the fire comes and the testing happens, it gets consumed. That's the way it is. This, this is why we try and do things at Living Faith that, that aren't the quick way or the easy way. This, this is why we don't just write a check and send it. We do the due diligence. Make sure the money, if we are going to send money, is going to a place. We don't just support Heartland community and, and give them a check. We go there. <laughs> we participate. We don't just send money to Kenya. We get on a plane and we go there. And we have seen over and over and over again how much more of a blessing it is to those who receive the service and those who are doing the service. This is why <laughs> you can't just write a check or phone in your faith. It doesn't mean you won't be saved. You still call on the name of Jesus. You confess with your lips. You believe in your heart. He is your foundation. But when the tough time hits, if it feels like your whole world goes away, when the, when the hard times hit, when something doesn't go right, if it feels like everything has crumbled down, that's the time to stop and say, what have I been building with? Have I been focused on the, the gold and the jewels and the precious, all of this stuff, um, as, as if that were the valuable thing because it's valuable to the world? Or have I been building a life, not just on a foundation of Jesus, but those things that I'm investing my time and energy in? 
Those things that, that I spend my time and energy on, is it stuff of the world or is it scripture? Is it prayer? Is it discipleship? Is it serving others? Is it worshiping the Lord? Is it communion and community with a body of believers? If that's where I'm putting my time and my energy, when those difficult things come, when sin hits you right in the face, it isn't consumed by the fire. Now, the reality is it's really hard to do, and it's impossible to get perfect. Paul even says, those parts of the buildings <laughs> that are burned down. Living faith isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And, and there are certainly things that we will try this year that aren't going to work out great and are going to get consumed by the fire. And, and I'm not perfect, and none of us are perfect. There, there are times you've got to patch things together, right? you just got to work with what you got right now. If, if, you, if you haven't started, will you start now? If, if you haven't invested your time and energy in, in those things that are sustainable in your life through the fire, you start now. And, and you understand that even when the fire comes through and burns it all down, that foundation will remain. Nobody can steal away from you your faith in Jesus. To our last sermon point God's temple. This last bit of scripture is, is a little bit confusing if you're not following along with the, the line of logic here. So this is 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. When, when he's saying this, he's, he's not talking about death. He's not saying if somebody kills you, God will kill them. He's talking about you as the temple of God. What makes you the temple of God is the spirit of God lives in you. We forget this as Christians, that, that we're not anointed with the spirit. We're not walking around carrying our faith. God dwells in us. This is the great mystery that, that accompanies the great mystery of our baptism. Not only are we washed clean of our sins, but then we are raised up in, in a spiritual way to have God's spirit dwell inside of us. If somebody destroys that, if somebody comes and takes or kills the faith that you have, yeah, God will destroy them because that person is Satan. That person is working with the devil. That person is actively working against the church of God, trying to take your faith from you. This isn't about death. This is about the temple of God, who you are, is already finished, complete. It is standardized. It is done. We talk about this foundation and the building of a life, but I don't want that to sound as though your faith is in progress. Right? Or you believe, you know, some. And then if you work at it, you can believe some more. Paul is saying, we have already been declared the temple. And that cannot be destroyed as far as the fire of life goes. Only if we give up the faith, then of course <laughs> that can be destroyed for all eternity. But apart from that, apart from just rejecting God, apart from just deciding, yes, God, I believe in you and your son Jesus, and I don't want anything to do with you. Apart from that, you're the temple of God, and he dwells in you. Do you think, do you think that hard times 
are, are going to make the Spirit of God evacuate the building? Do you think that difficult and challenging times to the God of the universe when it comes to whether you've, you've lost your job, you've had a big fight with, the, with your spouse or your, your whatever it is that God's be like, that's too much for me, I'm out of here. He's the God of the universe. Not only that, in Jesus Christ, he faced it all. Nothing he ain't seen before. There's nothing Jesus hasn't dealt with. There's nothing that literally, physically, walking around this world, he hasn't struggled with. Betrayal, arguments, fights, threats, physically beaten and killed. Now, he's not scared of the fire in your life. He's not scared when the fire comes and it burns up those ancillary things, those decorations on the outside of your house, the the siding is bad, or or the water heater's gone out, or in in your personal life, whatever those things are, he ain't worried about it. Because it's not just the foundation, he dwells inside of you. And even if you are fully consumed and killed, you remain the temple of God. And you go to live with him in eternity. Building the foundation is done. (laughs) That's finished. Building the life on top of that foundation is never done. It is ongoing. Living as the temple of God, where he dwells in us, is a gift in this life for those moments and times when things are difficult and challenging, and we all face them. The gift of his dwelling in us sustains us and encourages us from meal to meal, from baptism to grave. The spirit of God dwelling in us gives us the strength. Though the fire comes, it does not consume, but rather transitions us, shows us those places this needs work. I have to, I have to work on this area. Where I got to work on my work life because the fire consumed it, clearly, I got to work on, uh, on my parenting and, and my kids because fire consumed it. So I got to work on it. I got to work on my marriage. I got to work on whatever it might be because it turns out the fire and the sin of this world consumed it. But now you know. And knowing, I won't do it, I promise. <laughs> you can't end a sermon with G.I. Joe. Jesus loves you. How about that? And may the peace of God which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to receive the blessing? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for not just the gift of the foundation, but of being the temple where you dwell, where your presence remains to to carry me through those times of fire and destruction of this challenging and difficult world in which we live. And I pray, Heavenly Father, uh, that you would show to me, to all of us, those places personally as, and families and in this congregation where, where we need to work and to build up those things based on the foundation of Jesus that are permanent, those things that do not get consumed. Show us, even by fire, that we might build a building that doesn't just last for us, ministry and lives that are beyond us, but actually a testimony and witness to those in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.